Happy Friday, everybody, and welcome back to Brown Bag Bets. Powered by Bets we are your daily dose of quick and handicapping and sports betting picks. I'm Alex Christensen, and joining me as always, Mr. Andy Molitor. How was the first round of the PGA for you? Good. I have a Rory ticket. He is leading. He is still leading, which is good. So that part was nice. Some of the other stuff was not as nice. Watching some of the struggles in the afternoon were fine, but I tailed my guy Noonan on the uh, top 20 Cam Smith first round. So I guess the afternoon being windy was probably good for that, just keeping everybody at bay. Most of my other outrights are kind of shit right now. I was going to say Cam Smith is my second best outright three shots back. But he is a, he's an afternoon round, just like Rory. They'll have the easier draw. Hopefully, just those guys are both in contention. I have a couple of dogs in the race. It looks like uh, about par for the course on my matchups. Winning one, losing one, tying one. Cut should be about plus five. Be interesting to see where that ends up. Four or five, kind of in that range. And, uh, yeah, I'm just going to cheer for my guys. Cheer for – I have some Hideki top Japanese. Not very many of the other Japanese players are really close. There are a few, so I need Yuki Inamori to play very poorly today. I would like to just settle this by the cut because Kanaya... It's funny, Kanaya was one of the the higher-priced other Japanese players. He's seven over. And then Kinoshita is Kinoshiti because he is 12 (laughs) over right now. I haven't even looked. You know what I haven't looked at yet is I have a bet, and I'm have to. I'm gonna go to my tracker here quick. It was over eighty six and a half, and then an over eighty five and a half. And right now we have a guy who is eleven over through twelve. So that means if he if that's stuck, that's an eighty one. So he has six holes to lose like five or six strokes for me. Got another fellow who's eight over through twelve. There's somebody who's six over through eight. So I'll be. Uh, you guys watch the top of the leaderboard. I'll be watching the bottom for some of those props. Like, luckily, yeah, they didn't let me bet much on it, which is probably for the best for things like this because it's not a U.S. Open. There's not quite as many of these club pros, but uh, yeah, it's going to be a good weekend. We're at the point we talked about early in the week where basketball is. You know, every other day we have a one game, which is, I don't know, from a standpoint of like the discussions that go on and the chats and the content, maybe it's better because you can really hyper-focus in on a game and break some stuff down. Some of the guys that we talk to are really, really zoned in on player props. That's fun. I play all those because I love to cheer. If, if I don't have a side, which it's very rare that I don't have a side in these games now, tailing somebody but i love cheering for a prop too and i think the last few games it's been like last night i tailed someone on the warriors but i also had a prop on a on a heat player it was or is that even right that's not what i meant up the so who played last night the celtics we had bam rebounds under yeah bam well no i I had that hero assists over as well you went hero assist over too so i had i'm cheering for a hero but also the celtics that's what it was so a lot of it has been betting on both sides of a game and someone coming smelling like a rose so i uh, hopefully that continues and we'll look at uh starting with tonight for mavs dubs you are confused as i am on this one 
Uh, you know, you mentioned that it's the fun part of handicapping the NBA season because if you have a model in a normal process, you pretty much spit out the same number every game. So short of looking at, you know, some technical analysis and seeing where the market has moved the first couple games or so and taking into account injuries, it really is more of a subjective handicap. You get a chance to look at matchups. It's um, actually much better for people who do have a good eye to watch basketball. Um, and some of the guys that we talked to, I know, are basically just subjective handicapping at this point. And you look at tonight's game, uh, the Warriors had a spectacular game one. There's no reason to think that they won't have a great game. I mean, they shot 56% from the field, only 34% from three-point land. Could have had a better night, honestly, shooting from the free throw line. And at the same time, Dallas had just a tremendously poor night, 36% from the field, less than 23% from three. Uh, Dallas did win the possession battle, and I continue to like them in this series. I mean, we're in good shape with our bet. The Warriors won the first game, and we've got plus 500 in our pocket. The Mavericks are, I think, around plus 350 or so right now. So did well there, but I just I see no reason not to back the Warriors, but at the same time, I just I like the Mavericks. I think that at the end of this game, it might get pretty close, and I wonder if they can steal it tonight, but some very sharp people are loading up on this six, and as you can see, it's starting to creep out a little bit. So yeah. uh, maybe look at a Warriors bet. I might look at some Warriors alt spreads, honestly, and then if the Warriors get out big, look for I'll come back on Dallas Live here. So just curious to see what the Mavericks honestly look like. They were just pitiful in that first game, and if they come out with a little bit of energy and I can get a better number live, maybe I'll try something like that. And I like to hear that you're uh, doubting yourself is probably the wrong word, but like you're rethinking your prior convictions, you know, prior convictions. That's actually, that would be your rap sheet. If you were a criminal, like you're, you're anchoring to how you felt about the series before it started. And it's always good to kind of re-examine, like maybe, you know, maybe I was right, but how it's hashing out. It's my, you know, my, prognostication pre-series is kind of wrong at this point and i need to adjust to that because i think there were a lot of people that were pretty high on the mavs and saw that first game and maybe have had to rethink it a little i don't know like it's it just to me casual nba andy just doesn't feel like you're gonna get i don't know how many more bad luka games would you need for this to be a bad bad like if you get two more bad luka games it's it's over essentially you need good Luka games and I don't even know if you get one more of those it's just not what we've seen in the previous round it's not uh I don't know is, is there something to be said for the Warriors scheming against him or wh wh why do you think Luka had he had like 20 points and seven rebounds I think he had a bad day but bad day for him what what do you think that where, where do you think that came from a little bit of it is scheming. Um, if you look at these series, Luca generally has a rough first game or so. I think it takes sure. him some time to adapt to the defense, and maybe it takes kids some time to make adjustments. And Dallas plays so well at home, I'm a little concerned, and I wonder if maybe, you know, we didn't see Luca giving his absolute very best effort. And not that somebody drinking a beer in the afternoon before a game is a problem or anything. It's just... You know, you look at some of these other guys, nobody else was probably doing that. So, again, not that Luca wasn't totally locked in, but we've seen him kind of warm his way into a series. And again, it's we'll see how it goes. I still feel good about the Mavericks. It would be great if they could keep this game close, but I'm going to be more judgmental of them, I think, if, if things get ugly in Dallas. Sure. I'm fine with that. Uh, tomorrow, I mean, let's talk tomorrow then right away because we don't do, we're not going to do a show tomorrow. We're going to talk. Uh... We'll talk about it now. Celtics heat. Is that a over? Did we overreact to the first game? And are we prone to do it again now? <laughs> to the second <laughs> game? Like, are we, is it a double overreaction, triple pivot, 
ready for Saturday. <laughs> like, I don't know what to think. Like, the Celtics looked like the, the balls. And it's the, the Celtics only, are the balls. There's no other reason why. The Celtics are the balls. No other and reason they why. They looked like, I mean, they looked like the 96 Bulls. Uh, so, Heat are very good, though. Uh, what do we see heading back to Miami tomorrow? I think you're right. There's a little bit of an overreaction to game one without Al Horford. But with Horford back and assuming there's no more COVID issues, this Celtics team is a much better team. It, it's really tough for Miami to find enough points, to find enough answers on defense when Horford's out there moving the ball around, being that third, fourth guy that can hit the open three. Grant Williams has had a nice series, but he's just not able to kind of fill in that spot on offense where he can move the ball productively and be counted on to hit that. Um, I'm seeing Dan saying no, Horford. He played game two. Is he out for game three? Is he back? Is he back in the health and protocol? Oh, yes, yeah. Ah, thank you. Dan was talking about just game one. But yeah, no smart as well. And, and, and you bring both of those guys back. And as important as smart is, Horford's the more important player, honestly. It's what he's able to do again, moving the ball and being able to make some of those shots is really, really important for Boston. And what we saw in that first game, what looked kind of like a comfortable Miami win, if you start to look down a little bit, it was a little bit of an ugly game. Miami didn't necessarily shoot much better. Um, Boston had a bad game from a turnover perspective. And if they can turn those things around and kind of keep the turnovers relatively low, it should be comfortable for Boston. They've ripped home advantage away. And I think it's time, as much as this pains me to say as a 76ers fan, to bet on the Boston Celtics to win the championship. And why not put August Witek in there to win the French? What the heck? Let's make the odds a little bit better here. Um, Celtics title odds, I believe, are right around plus 200 or so. This was at our sponsor, yeah. FanDuel. Let me pull that up and just double check. But like, give me another August Schwantek parlay here. I mean, she's fantastic. The draw came out. We'll talk a little bit more of that in a few minutes. And she may have a few more challenges than we expect her to have on the way. But I'm going to continue to add value on her. And we'll see what happens when she makes it all the way to the final. I'll probably just let it ride. Yeah, I, I don't see a world where both of those aren't at least in the final of their respective tournaments. So I probably didn't take it a step far enough. I bet the Celtics series yesterday before the games. And I mean, now that I'm, you're thinking, I probably should have taken that and maybe split what I bet 75-25 on series and title because I don't know what's a – What's the price against the Mavericks? <laughs> Let's say this just ends up, you know, Miami gets another one at home. It ends up like a 4-2 series. Like they're they're a favorite over either team. Or... That's where I am. It's I think they're a, a comfortable favorite over Dallas. They're a short favorite probably over Golden State, depending on you know how beat up Golden State is coming out of that series, but I really like the Celtics position. If they get past this Miami team, which, you know, it looks like they're over the hard part of the series. If they could take yeah. care of these games at home, they're up three, one, and, and things are looking pretty solid. Why I have Dallas and golden state fighting and what I still think might be a long series, but it's time to start getting some Celtic stuff and kudos to anybody that grabbed stuff earlier. I was too much of a weenie early in the season. It just took them to win the division. That was still a nice price though. Never complain about a win, but it's, you know, one you of those times do. where I wish I had done more. Yeah, it's kind of like when I when I bet a long shot golfer to like top 40 and the guy ends up like tied for fourth and you go back and you can't help yourself. You go back and look at like, man, what was his what was his price for top five, top 10, top 20, all the ones you didn't bet it just kind of makes you sad. So I try to stay away from that, even though I just said I can't physically do it. 
Um, and yeah, don't complain about a win. Oh, leave us. Just golf? Did I talk golf yet? Yeah, I, I didn't talk golf I yet. Didn't we have quite a bit today. of tennis to get to, but take your time. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't even drink today. I drank. No, maybe that's so. the problem. Maybe that's why you're a little bit off. I need to get um, um, real quick too. Marcus Smart to win the Larry Bird Trophy. Have you looked at those markets at all? I just want to ask real quick the the two trophies that they've set for the conference finals MVP markets. Those are. Maybe we'll dig, we'll dig into those and talk Monday. <laughs> it's something I'll probably try to look at over the weekend, but yeah. it's as someone that loves award betting, it's going to be really hard with the teams that we have. You look at Boston, you could have a Jason Tatum series or a Jalen Brown series. Neither one of those guys get rewarded. If it's Miami, it could be Butler or Bam. You look at the other side of the ball, Golden State. It's it's probably Steph Curry, but the market's so overpriced that way. There's probably no value on it. If it's the Mavericks, it's probably Luka. But again, the way it's priced, there's not really any value on that. So I'll look through some of that stuff this weekend and see if I can find an edge compared to maybe the price to win the conference. But that's how you use those markets. NBA Finals markets and now the fi- conference finals markets, those are ways to get a better price in a team to basically win. If you can sort of pigeonhole or get a good feeling about what percentage and how likely each of the big players on those teams are to win the finals. That kind of is a decent way to find an edge sometimes. Yeah. I'll, uh, I'll wait for you to dig in or I'll talk. That's a good one. That's a good one for the chats. Okay. Is anybody, has anybody bet these yet? Cause it feels like people love award. I love award markets. So we'll get into that in a bit, maybe Monday if we, if we find some value and by we, I definitely mean you. Golf is both of mine are second round afternoon matchups. This is everything I bet for today. Couldn't find a ton of value. There was a lot of three balls. Ron played like 93 balls in the in the in the Discord. He could not stop. He found a ton of value in those. I ended up tailing a few that I sort of liked i have trouble pricing my three balls i think but two matchups mito Pereira and matt kuchar kuchar led the field tita green i think i don't see that happening again my numbers always hate matt kuchar and mito has looked good Mito looked real good yesterday i think we're gonna see more of that and then the second one was chris kirk over sam horsfield it's a matchup that I played yesterday, and I'm playing it again today. It won pretty easily yesterday. They jacked the price up on me, which is just fine. I'll lay a half stroke here, get it at minus 104. Both of these, I believe, were bet at Bookmaker for me. So these are both Bookmaker prices. Uh, there was Uh-oh. differences. in Well, there were differences in the markets where, you know, sometimes – uh, they're the only places they're offered is bookmaker. They're, we have that sometimes where here's a bunch of matchups that are everywhere. And then you get to the end of that list. And then like every book is like 10 more that are just their own. And I never quite understand what's going on. I really, really do believe before we get to tennis that you should be able to just make your own matchups. Like there should just be two drop down lists for golf and they should have their algorithms put together. Like, I want to bet this guy to beat this guy. All right, here's your offer. Yeah. Here's your price. Like, who? The book who invents that? Fuck, people. That's like same game parlay. Or, you know what? Yeah, that's, make that's your, a great make your idea. Own, make your own three ball where you, you can say, I want this guy to beat this two players or three players, four players, 
whatever. Give me crazy odds. Like this guy has to finish ahead of all these other golfers today. Like that, that would be the, the ultimate golf same game parlay. And Michael, uh, bookmaker, I bet them both at bookmaker.eu. And then uh, tennis, French Open outrights, as promised. We already have one in the books today as a parlay with the hated Boston Celtics. <laughs> I can't make it clear enough. I bet them. I want them to win the series, but I I hope TD Garden burns down after the season and everybody in the city gets uh, stubs their toe. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, I know. I'd say, you know, again, Paul Revere should have slept in, but we move on. French Open, uh, women's play starts on Sunday. I don't know if the men start on Sunday. I'm Honestly, I don't really care, but uh, the women's <laughs> play will start on Sunday. We are we do have a bunch of uh, Iga Swiatek parlays in our pocket, but the quest to beat Iga continues in terms of an outright perspective. And if, if you don't want to bet these, I don't blame you. Um, I'm going to be honest. What, what we're watching here with what Iga's doing is just unprecedented. She's won, I think, 28, 29 matches in a row. She's only lost four sets since March. Um, she just might be that good. She might be, uh, you know, we were looking at this outright price to put it in context. This is Rafael Nadal at the French Open like 10 years ago, basically, you know, yeah. kind of just past his peak, but an absolute lock to win that. I'm curious to see, honestly, what the prices are and her to win it without dropping the set. But if I look at these outrights and, you know, still trying to put some context around her greatness, I think three women have a really solid chance to beat her if they could make it that far. And we'll start with Arena Sabalenka. I mentioned her earlier in the week. Love her spot in the second draw. She has a handful of really nice early matches where if she's playing solid tennis, that doesn't even really have to be at her best here to make it basically to the quarterfinals. We'll see what kind of pops out the match before there, the fourth round match, maybe Cassie Kina can give her a little bit of trouble or Danielle Collins, maybe finds a random hot run on clay, which has happened before, but not for years. So like her, not only just to get to the quarterfinals, but when she gets there, if Bedosa can navigate what is kind of a sneaky, tough path here. I mean, her first round match should be, Pretty easy in the second round, though. She's looking at a qualifier or Kaha Hooven, who's coming off a finals appearance in the tournament she played this week. Kudamatova lurks there in the third round. In the fourth round, she's probably looking at Rybakina or somebody. So if Bedosa even makes it that far, I still like Sabalenka in that match. So looking for her at anything 20 to 1 or better. Uh, put 22 up here on the board. That's kind of the average price, but there is some 25s out there. Poke around, you can find some 25s. Like her spot. And then the last two, I'm basically buying what I think are the best potential winners of the fourth quarter. The fourth quarter of the women's draw is wide open. Your seeds, Annette Contivate, um, Garbina Muguruza, Victoria Azarenka, Jill Teichman, um, for various reasons based on recent play, based on injuries, aren't really in any shape or form to win this tournament. Now, Krejcikova is the two seed, but we haven't seen her play in months. She hasn't played since Doha, hasn't played any clay tennis whatsoever, but performed very well at this tournament um, I believe was a finalist last year or at least the year before is one of the better players on tour when she's playing and has some, some opportunity here to work herself in some form she starts with local Frenchman Diane Parry that won't be a problem maybe a Sorio Serrano gives her a little bit of run in the second round maybe I'll look at her and just kind of as almost as a hedge bet a Sorio in that second round match but when she makes it past that it's pretty much smooth sailing until the quarterfinal against Coco Goff 
Goff continues to get better. I mean, really is only losing to top-level players. If you look at her last few losses, it's to basically the WTA's top five, top ten, some of the very best players, and doesn't run into one of those until that quarterfinal there with Krejcikova. I think she has a really nice path, and if I can get either one of those women at the numbers that you're looking at here, Goff, you can find as high as 40. The 48-1 to there on Krejcikova is actually at our sponsor, FanDuel, so go grab that now. That is the best number in the market, so thanks to our sponsor for that, but either one of these women, if I can get in the quarterfinal, um, you put them together. I forget the exact math, but I'm looking at a pretty nice combination there. I like their opportunity to win the semifinal. And again, I've got some stuff laid out here. We can have Sabalenka losing the semifinals to Iga and Krejcikova or Goff lose to Iga in the finals. And I'll continue to lose outrights, but we'll cash all our parlays. What the heck, Andy? Yeah, I'm fine. <laughs> I have enough Iga exposure. I was very happy. I mentioned this numerous times since I like to when I get a good number, but found a rogue Iga plus 150 last week so sitting on not as good as a number as some people got when we had their surprise retirement but uh happy with that real quick before we get to the the matches the plays somebody says i missed the best prices on her is it still worth it at minus 105 what do you think her true price should be because 105 drew has said that's still playable i think i have her true price and again it's really hard for me to quantify kind of her greatness at this point but I think you could make a case for hanging minus 140, minus 150. I mean, there's really only two or three women that can beat her in this event. And the draw didn't necessarily do any favors. The big hang up here is she's got Halep in the fourth round. And getting Halep getting her early is better for Halep. Halep's body yeah. sometimes kind of betrays her over the long run. And again, things maybe moved a, a little bit away of her. But yeah, I don't mind playing some minus 105. Again, you saw I put her together with the Celtics in that parlay, and I, I believe that was the price I got under minus 105, maybe minus 110 in there. And again, I think that's what you do. Try to put it together with some stuff. If you want to play it straight, that's fine too. Um, you know, you have plenty of opportunities late to, um, you know, kind of hedge or maybe try to find some middles with some game spreads. Sure. All right. Like you said, the first round is nigh. And did you find anything to bet, or is it like the NBA where you just couldn't find something on the card? Well, I mean, there was only line for like 48 matches posted, and there should be more, but they haven't placed qualifiers. So I went through those, and I guess I found a few things, Andy. It's not quite like the NBA. The more lines there are, the less I bet. But let's start with a total here. Alizé Cornet playing against Masaki Doi. Neither woman very good, um, especially on clay. Neither's been playing very well, but... They tend to play longer matches. As I look at this, this is just going to be an ugly kind of rock fight. And I think there's maybe a chance we'd see three sets. Didn't necessarily love that. And again, lines have actually been a little bit slow to open up. There's some books actually are still kind of open some of these things up, but you should be able to find them most places. Uh, these are still some pretty major markets. So grab the over 19 and a half, might add an over two and a half sets. We'll see as that continues to open there. And let's start with some dogs, spreads, and money lines. Again, I'll go half unit on the money line for these next three and a full unit on the spread. Just positions I like, um, but I'm mostly betting on close matches with a little bit of an upside, a cherry, if you will, if they can actually get it done here. We'll start with Donka Kovinich. She goes against Ludmilla Samsonova. Samsonova, I think, being a little bit overvalued for performances on clay surfaces that are unlike what we have coming up these next two weeks. Um, when you're trying to handicap the French Open, look at performance at the French Open as well as Rome. Those are two very similar courts in terms of how heavy the clay is, the type of ball that they use. Samsonov is a really strong server, and a lot of her success on clay has come on the green clay in Charleston or at altitude or indoor events where that serve is going to be much better. Uh, she is not going to be that lucky in this situation. I have um, this match much closer, so happy to grab Kovinic. Uh, Astra Sharma. 
Um, someone that, again, we don't necessarily think of as a great player on clay and had to go out and clean out her green, green clay results, but goes up against Kracheva, who one of the most confusing players for me in the market, continues to be priced as if she's a very good player on clay. I don't see it in performances. I don't see it in numbers. I don't see it when I do tape studies. So happy to grab Sharma here again, just in a match where I really don't understand what the favorite continues to get support. I mean, I do make her Cheva favorite in this match, but not nearly close to the number we have. Um, Victoria Azarenka, someone, again, is, start, is still handicapped based on her name, um, has had a couple nice performances on clay, but similar to Samsonova, a lot of those have come indoors at altitude, places where her power and serve generally um, do better. Bogdan, someone who frankly generally plays at lower level events. Um, maybe a little bit hesitant here. I think there's a, a chance, honestly, that maybe she just kind of gets blown out here. But I have this number closer to plus 160, plus 170, and I'd have, have the game spread closer to three and a half. So just a lot of value here. And again, I can sort of piece together what the line looks like based on maybe what Azarenka's previous performances look like at a higher level and, you know, who she is. I mean, she's very well respected in Grand Slams, and that's a big part of the handicap. And this is a match, the next one, Luca Bronzetti. I'll just go a full unit on the money line because if she loses to Ostapenko, she is going to lose by a lot. Um, but Ostapenko hasn't won a match in about a month at this point, and none of them have been terribly close. Some really ugly losses there. Bronzetti, again, not the best player in the world, but in solid form, and I think has a chance just to let Ostapenko lose the match, honestly. So happy to grab plus 200. Another overreaction line, Katarina Alexandrova um, just having an incredible run on clay. And we do every year see one or two women kind of in the middle of the WTA for some reason pop and have a great run on clay. Um, we saw Kanta do it a couple of years ago. Alexandrova has done a nice job at some of these smaller events. But again, I don't think in comparable situations to here. And Breitman, and again, not a terribly good player, but this number just looks nuts to me. I, I think that a lot of games for a three. Yeah, best of three, which should be kind of a service-oriented match. I mean, even if Alexandrova wins 6-4, six, 6-3, six, we cover this thing comfortably. So I'm going to hold my nose and grab the six. And then Osorio Serrano, I mentioned that we might bet her in the second round, even against our outright Krejcikova there, but just has a real nice warm-up match against Harmony Tan, who is just going to get absolutely beat up here. The wild card, they put her right in not the person she wants to play. Osorio is more talented, more motivated here. So the actual spread, I believe, is minus four at standard juice. That's fine. Go ahead and play that. I, I just like the minus five here at this nice price. I mean, I guess there's a chance of a push, but I think if Osorio wins, it's going to be by a lot. So we've got all those going in the first round, Andy, and there were so many matches, and it more. is a grand slam. So I went through, and I just clicked all the names that I didn't think could possibly lose, and here's what I came up with. The round one can't lose parley. Now, of course, it could lose. I mean, if we go through each and every one of these, I'm trying to think what the most likely ones here are. Um, it's the big list I have to go down. I mean, Zachary's well, in great Hopefully, form. it's the final one. Remember, Kelly <laughs> had this in the men's draw uh, last week, and it came down to Nadal, and he was the final match. He ended up losing that match. And I remember after, once it went to the third set, I'm like, I'm just going to cash this parlay out. It's dumb. And it's the one time I've actually cashed out and then the bet would have lost. So it turned out perfect. But yeah, this is a, I don't see a loser here. <laughs> now, unfortunately, it's, I'm going to go through an order of the draw as opposed to what you see here on the screen. It's just a little bit easier to reference. You know, you've got Halep over Kanyuk. Um, Kanyuk just not the, uh, even close to her on clay. I guess maybe Halep could possibly get hurt. But even then, I could see her winning the match. Pagula has been playing much better. I mean, you don't think of her as a clay player, but should absolutely blow out Wang Xiang. 
Uh, Nuria Parisas Diaz, we've bet on her a lot. She is another local wild card who is just way outclassed here. But Dosa in round one, duh. Rybakina in round one, duh. Sabalenka against Pake, just bet against Pake and Pharaoh every match. It's just been a fantastic um, plan for the year. Jabor over Lynette, that's pretty much duh. I mean, again, maybe Jabor has a little too much fatigue from getting into Rome, but she's had a week off since then. I'm pretty yeah. sure she should be all right there, but... Always a concern. Mahova hasn't been playing a ton of tennis, but again, goes up against a local wild card that's outclassed. Zachary's going to kill Burrell. Um, we have Goff. Let's see. Did I put Goff? No, Goff did not actually end up getting in there. And then that's, again, Osorio Serrano. A... I talked about that. I mean, I like Serrano minus five. So her to win the match seems pretty much uh, a done deal. I'm fine leaving Goff out. You know what? I'm going to put Ostapenko in just so I can find a loser. I'm kidding. I'm not going to ruin this. Scary. I'm not going to ruin this. So. Scary. All right. Well, appreciate you guys. Appreciate you all week putting up with a bunch of different shows. We kind of did it. Did it a little wild this week, and I don't care. It turned out good. Lots of winners. Dan found a, both teams to score a winner yesterday, which was pretty nice. And uh, yeah, I will go. I'm going to go watch some golf now. And if you want, please go check out our sponsor, Prop Swap. I'm sure they have some PGA Championship tickets you can buy. If you want to get your ticket, sell your ticket, and you can get a, what was it, up to $500, 100% deposit match if you use our promo code BETSPERTS, PropSwap.com, or on your app store under PropSwap. And for me, Alex, and producer Dan, we'll catch you on Monday. Good luck this weekend, guys.